Hello and welcome back to And The Winner Is, where we review each winner of the Best Picture Oscar one at a time. And on this episode, we will be discussing the 1991 winner, Dances With Wolves. And joining me, as always, my co-host, Tony. Hello. So I'm going to point out at the top, um, we have watched the special edition version of Dances With Wolves, um, (laughs) which was pretty much four hours long. Mainly yeah, on my part because it's the only one that's available for streaming anywhere. Yeah. So I I mentioned to Tony that that's what it was, and he went, "Oh, I've got both." So it was it was fine. We we both watched this um, this extended version that I I've read that Kevin Costner actually had nothing to do with. So it's not a director's cut. It's just a special edition cut. <laughs> um. So interesting there so yep as i said it is dancing with wolves and so let's jump into our usual facts um it was released in the u.s on the 21st of november 1990 um and followed here in the uk nearly four months later uh on the 8th of february 1991 um it had a budget of 22 million dollars um which apparently had ballooned to what it should have been so Cosma actually had to pay for some of it out of his own pocket Mm, right. um, do you want to take a guess at how much it made? Oh, uh, about 160 mil. Try 424. Wow, was it really? Did it do that well? <laughs> yeah. I went to see it when it came out, but it's been so long. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and right. so jumping into the facts, um, I'll, I'll pick up on some of the other smaller ones later on, but... Um, it's the first Western to win Best Picture since Cimarron in 1931, a film that we have already reviewed on this show um, a while back. Uh, quite early on, that was that was one of our, our early films that we, we reviewed. Um, and it is actually the highest grossing Western ever made. Um, and it, <laughs> it did that without ever hitting the number one spot in the US box office. <laughs> it was such a, a, a long-running hit in the cinemas, that it never actually made number one, but made this huge box office. Um, so that's that's quite interesting. Um, so uh, then going into some of the smaller facts, um, the film was such a success that the Sioux Nation actually adopted Costner um, as an honorary member um, because it was such a big hit. Um, he did all his own horse riding in the in the film um which is something you don't very often see from a lead actor but due to the fact that he was director he just did whatever he wanted um kevin costner's daughter actually played the younger version of stands with a fist um (laughs) so he he threw his daughter in there two socks the wolf was actually played by two different wolves throughout the the film um and they were actually both kept together after the film was, oh, was cool. made. Um, the buffalo scenes could only be shot once a day as the buffaloes would run up to 10 miles a day and the, the wow. handlers couldn't catch them. They had to wait for them to come back um, before they could film any more. Um, and then the last couple, the while we've said that the, um, the cut that we watched was nearly four hours long, Costner's original cut was five and a half hours long. Whoa! <laughs> and they they wanted him to cut it down to two, and eventually they had to give in to his three hour cut that was the yeah. the cinema release. 
Um, it took them four months to shoot. Um, so it was uh, five and a half hours worth of film took them four months, and which is quite a feat when you consider mm. that, because that doesn't seem that long for that, that length of film and the amount of filming they did. Uh, and interestingly, there is actually a sequel miniseries in pre-production at the moment um, based on the sequel book uh, called Holy Road. Oh, right. Yeah, um, cool. That's interesting. And apparently... at the time. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Viggo Mortensen was originally cast as Dunbar um, before oh. Kevin Costner came along. And Vigo was actually attached to this miniseries at one stage. Um, right, right. But now seems like he possibly isn't. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a strange one, but it, it seems like he's going to come at some point. And it's set, uh, I think it said 11 years yeah, after the film. Music, yeah. Yeah. Um, and our, our last facts, as we always do, uh, the films that it was up against, it was actually a really great year. Um, it was only a year with five nominations. Um, and the first one that was on the list was probably the one that most people won't know um, was Awakenings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other three films were massive, massive hits. So you had Ghost, uh, The yeah. Godfather Part 3 and Goodfellas <laughs> on the same Godfather list. Godfather Part 3 got nominated. Yeah. It wasn't um, nomination worthy. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but was still a big hit. Um, yeah. So there are our facts. Uh, for for this episode, um, so let's let's jump into the film itself. It's possibly going to be a bit of a long recording because I've got about four and a half pages worth of notes on this <laughs> film. Um, so about a page an hour, roughly. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I I noted was Orion, which is a name we don't see very often. Uh, these certainly these days. Um, as, as being one of the, the companies that were involved. Um, so that took me uh, by a bit of a surprise. Um, before we get into some of the more detailed stuff, Costner's beard is nearly as laughable as some of his acting at times. Um, that was an awful stuck-on beard that he wore for most of the film, um, <laughs> as clearly seen by the fact that by the time he becomes clean-shaven, it's quite clear that he's been clean-shaven for quite a while. Um, <laughs> so, so then jumping into the film itself, um, I know, I know both of us have got, cause we discussed it earlier. Um, this is one of two John Barry scores for this month that we will yeah. be, we will be yes. reviewing. Uh, second film, Midnight Cowboy is also scored by John Barry. Um, and another so, cowboy film. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> um, and, and it's a really great score in this as well. Um, I yeah, really like it yeah. throughout. It's it yeah. very much fulfills its need throughout this film. I, I, I bought think. the CD at the time, actually. I can see on the shelf behind yeah. me as we speak. And then, then getting into the the film itself, uh, it, it's a really quite bloody start. Mm. To the film. Yes, I, I don't think I've ever seen this all the way through. I think I've caught bits and pieces of it on the TV yeah. um, because I was quite when it came out. I was. I wasn't even in my teens at that point. Yeah. So it was never a film that kind of grabbed me. It was kind of yeah, one well, of those I went ones. To see it when the, it came out, finally, this, yeah. this extended version is the first time I've seen the extended one. So yeah. it, I've been making notes and also trying to work out the bits and pieces that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I was kind of that, that age where you looked at a film like that and went, what the hell's that? That can't be very good. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. And of course, I I kind of become accustomed to that image of him as Robin Hood. Yeah, around the around that age yeah, a couple as well. Of years, yeah, a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so it was never something that that grabbed me. So it's quite surprising. I wasn't expecting the film to be like it is throughout. <laughs> it's, it's very different in places that you don't expect it to be. Um, and one of my first notes is that um, the amount of extras and horses and etc. and in these early scenes. Um, yeah, the- he had his hands full oh, for yeah. a first-time director to, to <laughs> do that. Um, as I said in, in the like the the trivia, it went over budget because of the fact that he didn't really know what he was doing. Yeah, um, and that's kind of why he paid out the money himself rather than trying to find it elsewhere. He was like, "Look, it's it's my fault. I've decided to direct out. I don't really know what I'm doing." And we've got this massive, great, big, epic film in front of us <laughs> that I'm trying to make. And, and that early scene really does show that as well, I think. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, the, the sets and locations are, are beautiful. And this is really yeah. what Hollywood was then, in my yeah. opinion. It was, it was, whereas now we've obviously got all this technology where they don't even have to go anywhere. That it's all mm-hmm. done on a on a big like yeah. tunnel thing like we've got with Star Wars at the moment that they don't go anywhere to film that yeah. we know Obi-Wan Kenobi's all been filmed in Los Angeles despite it being mm. set on, set in the desert <laughs> on Tatooine we know it's not whereas this yeah. you look at it and you go wow it, yeah and that's what I think was good about like the 80s and 90s um, and we've talked about this on some of our other shows that how vivid some of those images are yeah, um, I think, and, and this is very much that. I think location work was much more of a part of the process, and it feels like because it had to be. Yeah, you couldn't fake some of that stuff no. that he shoots in that open sequence. It, it looked terrible. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. see, you go, you come to Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. It's all done in the computer. It's, that similar yeah. scene would have been done. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, <laughs> then we get the. The scene with the guy that's kind of checking him in as we move on from his when he's retired or kind of retired and is being sent out to, to his post. Um, and we get the guy, guy that's kind of checking him in, telling him where he's going. Um, I mm. haven't seen him in much. The only thing I recognize him from, he was in, um, he had a bit of a, a run in entourage um, as, as a Harvey Weinstein type. Um, <laughs> which you kind of look at him and you go, well, he kind of looks like him. Um, but he doesn't last very long in this. Um, he lasts for all of about five minutes before he blows his brains out and we yeah. watch it run down the um, window. And some of the, the sequence of his appearance is actually some of the new footage that was apparently yeah. that was in, the, in this cut. Um, Which it, doesn't it runs surprise a lot longer me. Than, yeah. Um, just some of his additional take and shots and stuff. But the whole sequence about his crown apparently is a bit that was just added for the. I, so I didn't remember it from the first time round. So yeah. yeah. So some yeah. of the some of the side characters did have a little bit more screen time in this version. Yeah. Uh, and and that's just a really bizarre. Just shows that the bloke is just completely off his nut. He's clearly been out there too long. Yeah. <laughs> running the show and it's just yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I did note at this point that I thought. Uh, Costner and his uh, director of photography had a great eye for a shot. Yeah, it's at this point, similar, isn't it? Yeah, 
so well. It, just the photograph, photography, and the lighting is fantastic. Right? Yeah. Um, but I also, notes. I also did note at this point that he's, it was, and later on in the film, it's not so bad. As I say, I've got four pages of notes, but at this point, it was, <laughs> it was a little bit of a struggle to make notes because there wasn't really a lot going on after that opening scene, kind of mm. with his leg. It's kind of, and the guy shooting himself in the head. There's not really a lot of action or, or really story, to it to yeah. start with. And I think that's no. probably, as you say, with these added scenes or extended scenes, yeah. it's probably why it feels like it and why they weren't in the original film. Um, mm. Yeah. So, yeah, because well, yeah, you, I mean, uh, Timmits or Tibbets, I can't remember the guy, the guy's name is pronounced, that was played by Robert Pastorelli, the, 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 um, the buggy driver. He's off his yeah. loop as well. <laughs> the West is just. Sending these men crazy yeah. for the seams of it. Yeah, I did, I did note, though, despite the fact that I was struggling to make notes, um, <coughs> I wanted to know more and keep watching. I, it wasn't mm. like it was a turn-off, whereas we've yeah. watched some other films that we've kind of gone, well, after half an hour, what am I really watching? Whereas this, mm. I felt like there was more coming. And obviously, as we go on, we'll talk about that because it does. It becomes a, a completely different story after that. Um, yeah, but um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but then we get him out to his outpost, and and the story does change. What a jump. <laughs> yeah, that was my comment. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, and on that note, apparently it was in the middle of a drought, and they used to have to bring in tankers of water to fill the pond. Oh, blimey! Because it just used to evaporate. Um, <laughs> so it was even more of a dump if you took that away um, and it does it Especially also is very yeah <laughs> it does feel very ominous and creepy at times and I yeah. think kind of the introduction of the wolf as well um, yeah. you don't really know what it is um, and that kind of adds to that creepiness um, and then all of a sudden you realise what it is it's a wolf creeping around uh, trying to find out what's going on, which I, I really like throughout this film. I love the two socks steals yeah. the film for me. It's just, yeah, such just a great animal performance. Brilliant. Um, I mean, just just on on Timmits as well. We sort of say that 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 sequence where he buys the farm is it's awful, isn't it? The arrows mm. is popping into him. It's yeah, really visceral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really is. Um, so. Uh, Again, I just made mention of it's a great, a really great example of how a film can be made practically throughout mm. this. Once we get out to this bit as well, it just the vistas and and everything is just brilliant, and and all the practical effects as well. I think are are, are really great in this as well. Um, mm. So you can kind of see where my my train of thought is now going by this point because um, everything is great. Everything is awesome, <laughs> in fact. Um, and then I said, we're about about an hour into the film, I think, and we get the, the Native Americans introduced, which is, is kind of interesting because my wife, her, on her dad's side, um, there is actually some Native American blood. Um, oh. It goes back to her great-great-grandmother, I think, was a Native oh, American. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting that, I didn't really know a lot about it 
Um, so it's kind of. Um, <laughs> and then she marries a Washington. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's that, that's the point. Yeah, um, it is a little bit strange. Um, and then, um, yeah, of course, we're talking about the uh, the Native Americans, and, and we see Graham Greene. I think again, he's fantastic throughout this film, and, which is interesting. As the film, when they they told him that they were going to speak Native American, he went, "I don't know it." And had to learn it, and they said really? most of them didn't know it, the the language wow. that they were speaking in, because obviously that tribe doesn't exist anymore. Yes. Um. Yeah. So they um, they didn't know the dialect, yeah. so they all had to learn I, it. I just was was I think at that point talking about this. Of course, that was one major change from the novel. I think because in the novel, I think he ends up with the Comanches. Yes. And they they change it to Sue for the for the yeah. um for the film. Yeah. Um, and I actually said when they did introduce them, I thought it would take a little bit longer for them to come into the film. With it being a four-hour mm. film, I thought 45 minutes to an hour is quite early on to introduce this whole separate bit. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm just smiling reading my notes. and I've just got written jotted down here. <laughs> Naked Kev, because that yeah. sequence where he's... <laughs> Where, where um, Kicking Bird sees him, he's completely stark. It's just I, so I did funny. say, I, um, I wasn't expecting to see Naked Costner bomb, was my note. <laughs> so that, that was a... But actually, then I actually did write as well, Naked Costner would scare anyone off. Uh, um, I did note at this point, it does become a bit of a, a bit more of a slog at this point with the, the introduction of the subtitles to go from not having anything to then all of a sudden yeah. pretty much everything is, is yeah, subtitled. Was, yeah. And obviously mm. it does become a little easier because they start to talk a little bit of English to him. Um, yeah, and well, and yeah. the introduction of Mary McDonnell makes it a little bit yeah. easier as well. Um, but through this kind of this middle part for about the, an hour to two hours, Maybe a little bit longer. There is a heck of a lot of subtitles. Um, so, um, but yeah, it, it didn't bother me in the end. I think because it, it comes round, it's only for a, a portion of the film. It's not as bad. Yeah. But at that point, I did note that it was. It did make it a bit harder. Um, I did say I do like the the diary entry voiceover work. I quite like that as yeah. kind of a nod to the book. It, yeah. it kind of feels and, like it's a nod to the literary side of it, and and his delivery of it isn't, isn't overly dramatic either. It's very no. matter of fact because he, he's yeah. basically talking to himself, but but using the journal. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I enjoyed that. Um, then I wrote down, and I can't remember what the scene is, but someone just randomly passes out. For no reason, and I can't remember who it was that I wrote that uh, down. But Kicking Bird passes out, doesn't he? At some point, yeah. Right. His character, just... and I can't think what the hell it was. What was for? Yeah, it just—it doesn't seem like it's. <laughs> it would be something that would cause you to pass out. So I—I d- I didn't write down who it was. I just. But there's also a, and there's also thing. that bit where um, where where Dunbar cracks his skull on the top of the door and he wins because he just completely knocks himself solid. I'll give give you a 
I'll give you a little story about um, myself. Um, I used to visit the the island of Jersey. For anybody that doesn't know, Jersey is an island off the coast of France um, and a group of islands called the Channel Islands for any of our listeners that aren't in the in the UK. Um, but it belongs to us. It belongs to the UK. And they've got a they've got a castle called Elizabeth Castle that's out at sea. You have to get on like a amphibious like boat car thing that takes you out. But they were they were um taken over by the Germans during the war. The Germans um went out there and captured the island and they built some like bunkers and stuff out on this this castle. Twice I've been in one of those bunkers, sign above the thing, mind your head, twice I've nearly knocked myself out on it. <laughs> same exactly the same spot twice um i did it once with my brother and then i did it once with my wife and nearly ended up on my backside so i know the feeling um so yeah not very nice i did say and i believe he did get nominated as did get he got best director for this didn't they got nominated he did, he did get best picture and um, best director yeah but didn't get nominated for best actor um, he doesn't really do a lot of acting in this, for the most part. A lot of it just feels like it is Kevin Costner um, that just throws in a couple of lines here and there. Um, I, as I've mentioned before, still from Jerry Tribbiani, there is some smell of the fart acting throughout. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't need to. It doesn't harm the film. That he's, there's not a lot of drama to his performance. Mm. Um, so, and that, them talking of the actors, the, the second build character takes a, an hour and a quarter for Mary McDonald to appear. And then I was Somebody I've met. Yeah, yeah. I Have I met? Uh, no, I haven't. I met Eddie um, from <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, but I've never met Mary. She cancelled the event that I was meant to be at, that she was at, um, that, that she was meant to be at. Um, so I've never actually met her, but it amazed me. I wasn't expecting her not to talk in English or at least full English. It was a big surprise um, for me yeah. that she was actually playing a character like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, bit yeah. of a surprise. Um, then I did say that I, I really expected, having not seen it and not know much about it, I was expecting the film to descend into violence quite quickly. And it doesn't, it goes completely the opposite direction. That yeah, they become very, much very friendly. Of, of their culture and stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's very surprising. And my, actually, said by the time I got a third of the fil- way through the film, um, it's a completely different film to what I was expecting it to be. Um, and I really was enjoying it. Um, mm. So Well, actually, uh, that makes the... The sporadic moments of violence we see from that from that tribe quite shocking, actually. Um, there's the bit later up where they're celebrating the fact they went after the um, the buffalo hunters, and it, yeah. it, it's quite uncomfortable. And you don't blame him at all for sleeping outside the camp because he just, ooh, my friends yeah. were a bit psychotic at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then you you see his change completely when he's involved when they when they jump in from the. And the um the wagon train later on the wagon later on yeah yeah that really is with some of the uh, the drowning and stuff yeah, in that yeah. scene as Real well explosion of violence there 
Yeah. Um, so it's quite good that he does that. We, we get to see these people and we get to sort of love them ourselves as characters. And then, yeah. then you say, oh, blimey. You forget yeah. that there's, they're still Native Americans and they've still got that, that rage yeah. inside them. And I did note at this point, at, at times, if you take out those, those scenes of, those small scenes of violence throughout, it's actually a really sweet film because it, mm. they really do build a great relationship. They eventually, the trust builds and they confide in each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is, and it's not all about that love story. The love story is kind of a side effect of what is built with them more yeah. than, more than the film being about that. Um, and it's really nice to see them start communicating between everybody. Um, and I thought Mary's performance in, um, in fact, I wish I'd asked her about that at um, a convention I went to recently. Um, in, the, in the scenes where she's trying to speak in English, yeah. and she sells it so well, where she's yeah. trying to sort of remember words and, and get them out and stuff. And, and her, her line delivery is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, then we get to the scene that you you mentioned with the buffalo, um, when they the, they kill the soldiers. Um, yeah. The, the well, it's heartbreaking. First of all, you see that great sequence because I couldn't remember whether they used animatronic buffalo or anything. Well, because I, I I sat thinking, well, hang on, if all the buffalo are extinct, where did they get some from to shoot the film? Well, <laughs> that's that's what they said. They said they some of them were like domesticated. Yeah. Buffalo that that yeah. they did, but they did in terms of due to the fact that they didn't want to cause problems um, with like animal rights and and people like that. I they think did the build an they, animatronic one. That's right. The actual death bits, aren't they? I think where where you see the buffalo yeah. going down, they built like an animatronic one. Yeah, yeah. And I did note that then they have a buffalo barbecue <laughs> after that. Um, they weren't going to waste it, were they? Um, of course, it was a it was the lifeblood, wasn't it, for them? Yeah, um, yeah. They fed off buffalo. They clothed themselves off them. Yeah. So um, then we get again. We take a different turn. Another thing that I wasn't expecting was we get a couple of sex scenes throughout this back <laughs> half of the film, which again wasn't something I was expecting. It didn't seem like it was the sort of thing that was coming. So first of all, we get the two Native Americans. Um, <laughs> well, means. everybody else is around. Um, <laughs> which, so I just wrote down Native Indian sexy time. Um, <laughs> and then we get, obviously, we get the one between Dunbar and... Uh, and as you say, Mary's character, which is, yeah. um, again, an, another insight into how the Native Americans lived, that they were all crowded around the tent waiting to hear them. Yeah, it's so funny after that. <laughs> when they, that, 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 that marriage thing, yeah, and they're all still outside. It's yeah. Funny. In fact, um, yeah, some, there's some great little comedy moments and the, the kids are really yeah. funny as well. Yeah, when they try and smoke them out, or they're going to. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you yeah, little buggers. Yeah. Um, which I liked. Um, <laughs> And then we get we get some bits that kind of play into the fact that he is away from his reality. Um, yeah. We get get mo some moments when clearly he is struggling 
with the fact that he hasn't had like proper conversation with people for a long time yeah. and and things like that. But then we also get the the really sweet stuff with the wolf at this point as well, um, where they have playtime when he's chasing him and uh, and things like that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. such a great scene. Yeah, which I, I really like. Um, and then um, all of a sudden he's clean shaven. As I said, <laughs> he, he went from having that great big long moustache and then he just appears with no, no beard anymore, um, which I thought was quite strange. And of course, um, at this, this point where, where they amp up the relationship with that leads yeah. to the marriage with, with, and I think it's a really, I think it's a really good central love story in that. And they've got yeah. great chemistry, and they sell it the two of them. And we we have this discussion quite a bit on here about about how important that chemistry is. And I think those two nail it. I think, yeah, uh, Kev Kev can do that sort of thing well, and and, and Mary sells it as well. And, and it is a really sweet blossom. It's a blossoming romance. It doesn't feel forced because we've seen earlier that. That from Kev from Dunbar looking around the camp and seeing one or two other couples and stuff, he's clearly yeah. lacking that that love of a woman, and, and it's very organic the way that they do become a couple, and and kind of, and as like um Kicking Bird's wife says later on that that they're both white, and you kind of half expected it, so yeah, yeah, definitely, and and that was one of my notes literally at this point was the relationship between them both evolves nicely. It's not, mm. it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't, it's not rapid. It takes time for her to trust him um, yeah. and, and things like that. And it, it really does, does work. And it, this, this period of the film has a slightly different pace to everything else. Uh, a lot of it has kind of felt quite quick, like the changing of the seasons. We go through quite a lot mm. of seasons throughout this, this film and, and it, it rapidly picks up pace quite a lot. And then we hit yeah. this point where their relationship kind of begins and it takes a while. It slows down. And, and I think yeah. that works for, for that relationship. It's not yeah. rushed on screen yeah. either. We get to see it build rather than um, just going, oh, they're together. Then we've moved on and it's built. We actually get to see that building of it. Um, and I think it works very well. Um, um, well, we also get that that passage of time was shown through when he goes back to um, to Fort Sedgwick, and the place is completely dusted over. Hell, mm. <laughs> he's been away for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it, it kind of shows you, and and as I say, it gives him more time with with two socks as well. Um, yeah, we which get yeah, that other scene where, where he finally gets him to feed from his hand. It's really sweet. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> just about two socks takes the meat and he just buggers off. <laughs> yeah, I know he's not greedy little son. I'm, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you have your fun, but I'm off straight away. That's yeah. that's it. Um and then then it the, the pace changes again. We get obviously the, the marriage and yeah. and everything like that, and very quickly obviously we get the we're trying to have a baby and then the war begins, the the yeah. soldiers make their way. Um, and it goes. Well, of course, before this, though, we've had the um, we've had the tribal raid, haven't we? Just before yeah. this, um, yeah. which is quite brutal as well. And, and, and yeah. where Studi, of course, in, in this sequence, yeah, um, the bit in the river, I think, is fantastic when they all surround him. Yeah, um, and it's interesting that, that, that 
Dunbar isn't so shocked this time when he sees that sort of that burst of violence from them. Yeah. And I also noted at this point, there's some comical deaths throughout this, this fight. There's some, some comical falling over when they've been shot by arrows and things that they just kind of <laughs> do the, the old spin and fall on their faces rather than their backs <laughs> uh, and things like that. I did note that. Um, I did laugh at the old woman bludgeons in one plate with a great big piece of wood in the tail. Yeah. I don't want to mess with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, then it kind of descends into family politics as well. We get a little bit of insight into how their camps work as well. There's, mm. a, there's a lot of back and forth between the, some of the younger Indians and some of the, the, the older, older statesmen um, at this point as well about what they should be doing. Um, <coughs> but um, I also, <laughs> the, the whole thing about her being in mourning that does change quickly, I thought. Yeah. They're just like, no, <laughs> that's it. You're, you're done now. You can, it's the you scene can marry just walks and... up to her and says, you're not mourning anymore. And it just walks off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. Um, and then we do get the, uh, then... the smoke in the mouth from their sex den, is what I wrote. Well, it, the wedding is the fact that he then says, <laughs> take her inside. Well, there you go. Thanks. Yeah. How's your father from the father-in-law? We'll take yeah. you inside then. Who were Mrs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then again, the, the pace changes at this point. I felt whether we have that scene of Dunbar telling him what's going to happen, that all yeah. these soldiers are going to turn up and you're probably not going to survive. Um, yeah. I, I, I love that scene around now then, of course, where the old man pulls out the, the old Spanish or Portuguese helmet. Yeah. Um, because, of course, those guys were the, were the first sort of um, invaders, weren't they? Yeah. Um, before the sort of West, the quote-unquote conventional white man that we think of got to America. So, and of course, they were driven out. And like he says, the Mexicans were driven out. Uh, but this time, right, they, there's no stopping it because we're just the sheer numbers of people sweeping across the country, aren't they, from the, yeah. east, of the east of the country by this point. Yeah. And there's, there's a couple of mo- moments throughout this that, are always going to get people's backs up. First of all, they kill the horse. Oh, yeah, um, horses that, that he's had throughout. And then, obviously, Two Socks gets it as well yeah, later well, on. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's never never a person's favourite thing to see on screen. Um, but those soldiers are just complete dicks. <laughs> yeah, um, they are. So I did feel sorry, uh, and it's something he plays on in the I did feel sorry for the for the lieutenant played by Charlie Rocket that we saw at the start of the film as well because he seems yeah. to be quite a decent sort of upstanding officer who's just basically yeah. playing by the rules. Yeah, um, he sort of and, and I thought he was a bit. I thought Paul Bass didn't really deserve his arrow in the chest. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. But it's nice that Dunbar stops um, stops him from scalping him. Yeah, um, um, my least favourite scene, not due to what it is but more what it entails is the scene when he's being tortured in the river and the guy is sat there reading his journal and then uses it as toilet paper oh yeah I'm like no yeah, yeah he was a shit <laughs> yeah that was I didn't like that 
that seemed for for what yeah. it was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not nice. And then I I really like the the native India Native Americans turning up and saving him. I think is yeah. is great. They that you can finally see that that relationship is fully formed at this point. And um, we we've got inklings of that just prior in the where where he starts um talking in Sioux instead of English to the to the officers. Yeah that they're not worth it. And he's basically that's the old Dunbar is pretty much gone by this point now. And, yeah. and he is dances with walls fully fledged. Yeah. As which I say a minute ago, there's, there's no hesitation on his part to be violent in terms of, of that escape. No, definitely not. But there's still that humanity there in when he stops them from sculpting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, then I kind of just noted that it, it was so sad that things between races like that were were like that. Um, and in yeah, some ways well, still are today. Yeah, and 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 I don't want to get too deep in it, but people talk about about white guilt and stuff, and there should be a guilt there because we are responsible for so much of the mess on the planet historically yeah. and currently. Yeah, um, and, and it's just happened in Australia as well when they, within the native Aboriginals, and they're displaced and treated very much the same way as the Native Americans. And, yeah. And there's a history of it, and, and and I think he tackles it really well in this film. Yeah, and examines yeah. it quite well. Yeah, uh, and and that final action scene, as we talked about earlier, is, is brutal from both ends. The the American Americans do it as well. Um, they mm. just get <laughs> they get the more violent end of it, and and end up not surviving it. Um, whereas yeah. the Native Americans actually come out of it and. Um, survive and it, one of my next notes is that it was just said that despite the fact that they got through that they didn't last for much longer um, before they they kind of gave up their rights and became American citizens oh, and the tribe yeah, was gone yeah, um, yeah no, well, it's, it'll, it'll, yes the, the, that whole final sequence is sort of quite soulful from the fact that the Dunbar tells them he has to leave because of, yeah. of what's happened and, and and then, then we, you get that, like you say, that, that shot on the mountain and, and that sort of text text card about the fact that um, mere 13 years after it was set, they basically had to join the rest of American society. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's quite sad because, like it says in there, it, it was kind of, it was the end of a, of a way of life. I mean, it was a, it was a brutal and bloody way of life, but but even so, it, it was a passing of, of a big part of American history. Yeah, they'd survived all those years, and then the American army came along and pretty much wiped them out. Yeah, as as such, and it is it, it it's such a thought provoking story. Uh, yeah. in the long run, um, that makes yeah. you, it's one of those ones that kind of makes you want to go and find out a bit more yes. about what happened. Yes. Um, and I'm a sucker for films like that. They always drag me in. Um, yeah. like I know the same as you um, we as a family here watch a lot of stuff about the Tudors and, and things like that and mm. that always yeah. drags me in and makes me start looking up things again and, and stuff like that and in the same way that's what this film has done um, yeah. so right before we get into our, our final notes and, and scores is there anything else you want to add 
to the thoughts uh, that we've we've given no, over so just far. A, just just a, a couple of months. I love the fact we finally get to see Kicking Bird speak in English towards the end. Yeah, uh, he shows those couple of sentences with Don Roth. That was quite nice. Uh, I, I say some great photography and shots in the, uh, on the back end of that sequence in the river. We see the journal floating away. Yeah, down the down the river, or so we think at the time, and, and basically just representing his old life floating away. Um, yeah. And it's nice that that's actually paid off then with him actually getting it back um, at the end as you'll, as you'll need it yeah. for evidence, presumably, or something. And he's sort of getting that part of his life back in some way because they're leaving behind. Yeah. Uh, I, I say that Barry's score is fantastic. I think it's one of his best. There's so many great moments. There's the sequence, Dunbar's theme, there's the, the quiet, soft theme that they use for two socks. And those scenes yeah. with Dunbar, it's really sweet. Um, I th- but I think the um, the Buffalo scene, I'm sure, was scored slightly differently in the theatrical. So I've got it on the CD, and it's a much more rousing version on the theatrical. But, yeah. but this one's still quite good. And I think, yeah, well, I'm a big Barry fan. I mean, the great thing about these podcasts is <laughs> that we do is a couple, two or three of my favourite composers are going to pop up a lot. Uh, and yeah. Barry's one of them. And, and I think it's one of his finest. And... I remember I bought the CD kind of almost straight away after I'd seen the film at the time. A um, couple of things just about, about the DVD presentation, because I watched it. I was on the, um, the special editions on two discs, basically. Um, it's like a two hours, and then the second disc is an hour and a half. And at the end of the first disc, they actually give you the intermission that we had in the cinema as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the intermission card comes up and says, please switch to disc two, and you get the intermission music, which is the theme and stuff. Because um, yeah. when I went to see it at the cinema, a little provincial cinema, even though it was only three hours long, give or take, there was still an intermission about halfway through because it's one of these old independent cinemas. That was a really nice touch. Yeah. And so that was a nice for me to go back and see that again. Yeah. Um, so visually fantastic, some great lighting. A couple of nice performances of his core in that relationship with with, um, with Kevin and Mary, some great support cast in there, some funny moments. And for me, it's just... Uh, I have this conversation with a mate of mine because he was up against Goodfellas and a lot of people thought that Goodfellas should have um, should have won it that year. I think they got it right because for me, I've seen Goodfellas um, and I don't really fall into the Goodfellas is the greatest film ever kind of camp. I find yeah. that quite a hard, cold, detached watch at times. Yeah, and I'm not big on, on when gangster films glorify mobsters. So for me, this was a worthy winner. It was an epic Western of the sort we hadn't seen win it for in a long time. And then, of course, we got a couple of years later, we got another one in Unforgiven. So yeah. it was like a bit of a renaissance. Um, and it's just great for me to revisit. I said it was really interesting watching it in this version, which I, I've had it on my shelf for too many years unwatched. <laughs> and I actually sit down and watch this version of it. It was great. Um, whether it would become my default watch of it, I don't know, because it's quite a lot to fit in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because uh, I've got the three-hour version as well, but um, but to revisit now and again, um, it'd be great. And um, like I said, I'm curious now to see what this what the sequel is going to be like. Um, and actually, talking about following things up, I may go and pick up the um the, the book now. I'd like to go back and re read Dances with Wolves, which I read it at the time, but I'd never read the sequel, and I quite fancy reading that now after the series coming. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you, I can move on, if you want to my to my sort of summary and score, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought I, I gave you the duties on this one because I thought I'd be get too gushing as we go along. <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite best picture winners. 
one of my all-time favorite Kev movies. It's just <laughs> for me, there's so much good in this film. There's so many great things to get from it from rewatches. And it's one of my most enjoyable watches, and I'd say one of my favorite westerns. Um, just an absolute treat. And no surprise, I'm gonna go quite high with the score for this, and I'm gonna give this a 95. Right. 95%. I just yeah. love this piece of work. <laughs> totally, totally understand that. Um my end, my final notes were I enjoyed that way more than I expected to. Um, it's a strong, ever-changing story with strong character performances. While very long, it never ate, outstays its welcome and is a very well-put-together film. I haven't gone quite as high, just mainly because... I, not that it's... That I don't, didn't like it and I didn't enjoy it quite clearly from, from that I have. It's probably just that it's kind of out of my wheelhouse. It's not the yeah. usual thing that I would go to. Yeah. And not quite as high, but I've given it an 88 out of 100 yeah. for me. It's good. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I might have to lend you the three-hour version at some point just to see uh, sort of six yeah. months down the line how you feel about that three-hour version. Because it, yeah. it's a little bit tighter and... Uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I must admit, admittedly, my overall view and my score is based just on the, from when I saw it first time round as well. So, yeah, for me, having all these extra scenes just just added to the mark. Really. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I totally cool. understand so. that. Um, <laughs> so that's it for Dances with Wolves. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable watch that both me and you did over two settings just because of the length. Um, <laughs> You did it in two days. I, I spent it over two weekends just because of the timings. I just didn't have time yeah. to watch the rest of it last weekend, but very, very much so. Uh, so that's it for, for Dances with Wolves. We have one more episode again this month. Um, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, Midnight Cowboy is our second film for the month, um, which will be out um, in the next few weeks. So thank you, Tony, for joining me. Um, no problem. I don't think it was much of a chore this time um, from, <laughs> from your score. Um, no. Thank you, listeners, for, for joining us again in this new year. Um, so I would like to wish everybody a happy new year. Um, but this is our first episode of 2022. Um, I think we've still got about two and a half years worth of films to go. Um, so we're going to be here in 2023 and 2024. Um, we're going <laughs> to be around for a while still. Um, so yeah thank you very much for joining us and sticking with us and we will be back with our review of Midnight Cowboy <laughs>